Alright? Turn to Acts chapter 21. Um, I, 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 knew when I, I knew when we launched into the book of Acts that it was going to be a challenge. Alright? Because there's so much history in it. But sometimes in the middle of that history, there are also spiritual lessons. And we need this transition period because it's an important transition to tell us some things about Paul that God would look for in our lives. Paul had been sent out of Jerusalem many years ago, but now he's feeling feeling a compelling need to go back to Jerusalem. A lot of people talk about this section of Scripture. I'm not going to preach verse by verse of the whole two chapters, obviously. I'm going to pick out some highlights. If we preach every verse, we'd be here for a year. Um, it's a lengthy passage, but I'm just going to pick out some, some highlights here. Um, so let's, uh, yeah, chapter 21. There are two things that Paul wanted to do. Paul had to go back to Jerusalem for two reasons. He had to go back to deliver the, the offering that he raised for them while he was traveling. There was a need in Jerusalem. Paul went out to collect money. He felt like he had to go back to come, to come back with um, with the, the, the money that he'd been sent out with. He felt very responsible for it. He'd raised the money. He had to go back. And he also needed to go back and deal with the problem of the division between Jews, Jewish, and Gentile believers. That had cropped up again. All right? Um, always keeps cropping up. Because you always have some body of believers who are trying, going to try to impose human law on God's people. I like what Chuck Swindoll called these. God, Chuck Swindoll called these people grace robbers. They try to impose their human standards way above and beyond the Word of God. And the Jewish believers were doing that. Now, they were believers. They'd truly been saved, but they were still confused over this whole issue of, um, uh, of works and, and grace as far as once you're saved. That had to be sorted. Now, I'll tell you straight up, and this is where part of my difficulty comes from, Christians, there is, you know, how do I describe some of the fights that theologians have? Um, let's say it this way. Theologians are not always wise in picking their fights. There's a huge fight among theologians about Paul's trip to Jerusalem. He wants to stay. <laughs> All right, there's a huge fight among believers whether Paul it was God's will for Paul to go to Jerusalem or not. All right, um, some people say it was God's will. Some people say it wasn't God's will. Paul though was determined to go to Jerusalem because he had a goal in mind. He had felt for a long time that he had to go to Rome. Back in Acts 19:21, he said, "I must needs go to Rome." When he wrote to the Roman church, he said, I must come see you. I've got to come see you. Um, and uh, he t- back in Romans chapter 1, shortly after them, shortly after that, after this, in, in Acts 23 verse 11, we read that uh, Paul, said, Paul was arrested and as a result of his arrest, he was going to be sent to Rome from Jerusalem, um, he was he was when he was surrendered and offered a chance to be freed. 
He refused the chance to be freed so he could go to Rome. Now, sorry about a little confusion there. Um, all that was for a purpose. Paul was convinced that it was God's will for him to go to Jerusalem. And I'm convinced that in, in the long run, it was God's will. Because as a result of Paul going to Jerusalem, he was going to be arrested and sent by the Jewish and Roman authorities sent to Rome to preach the gospel. And he was even going to get to preach to Roman officials. So I'm convinced that was God's plan. The issue is the fact is that in chapters 21 and 22, several groups try to keep him from going. Okay? Now, this is going to be a bit of a history lesson, so bear with me. I just need to make a transition to the next section. So Paul's, to me, Paul's calling to go to Rome was clear and powerful. It was in line with God's word. In retrospect, we look back and see what God did. I suspect that Paul had an inkling of what might happen. But the lesson, for, the lesson here for us is this. When God has called us to a task... When God has led us to do something for Him. And I don't even think we have to be that specific. Our Christian life should have a purpose in mind. Our Christian life, our goal should be, is that we are going to love God, we're going to love people, and we're going to share the Word of God with as many people as we can. And Paul sets that example, because that's what he does all along the way. Everybody tries to get him to stop. But he keeps going. And eventually, as we're going to find out um, in about a month, he ends up getting back to Rome. He would not be deterred. He kind of felt like, you know the story, the little engine that could? Everybody know the story? Y'all know that? You don't know the little engine that could? Oh my goodness. Seriously? I can't, but maybe it's been too long. Well, the story of the little engine that could, there's a, there's a village where a um, circus train breaks down. All right? And the children across the mountain are waiting for the circus to come. All right? And for the circus to come. But the engine breaks down. And all the little clowns and circus things are on the, on the cars of the one train. And they keep asking the trains that come by to take them over the mountain into the next valley so the kids can have the circus. All right? And everybody sits there. A big diesel engine comes. He's way too important. I'm not going to be bothered with these guys. I've got more important things to do. <coughs> I've got coal to haul, and I've got all that. And train after train to find doesn't help. Kind of like a good Samaritan, isn't it? And finally, this little, almost a toy, little engine comes along. And he says, I think I can do it. And they like, no, look at you. You're nothing. The other trains are making fun. You can't do that. You can't get those things over the mountain. And he sets out, and at the beginning, he's just barely moving. And he's going on, he's plugging up the hill, and the little phrase, I should have brought the silly book to read it. Um, the little train is going, I think I can, 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 I think I can. And he's climbing up the mountain, and everybody in the back is cheering him, and all the detractors are coming, he eventually gets to the top of the hill, and he coasts down into the valley, and he accomplishes his goal. Now, I don't think I'm stretching too much to say that's how Paul got to Jerusalem. Nobody else was going to go. He had to go. Yet he kept kept in opposition. And yet he kept going and kept going and kept going. Um, By the way, if you're wondering about the foreign language there, um, I'm trying to help uh, Andre and his family at least get located in the Bible. So I put the outline up there so that they can can find the passage and um, and the outline. So that's, as as according to, to Caroline, who speaks Brazilian Portuguese, this is a de- is it a decent translation? Yeah. 
Okay, good. All right. Uh, she's going to help me try to get, at least get an outline up on, on the notes. So let's, let me, let me just, let's talk about a couple things here. As the opposition comes, and keep remembering now, what I want us to get out of this is the fact is that we may not be called to do something as dramatic to go to Jerusalem or go to Rome. We may have the purpose of being a witness at work, of being a testimony to our family, at, at just living for Christ and taking a stand for Christ. That may be what God wants us to do. But we're still going to find opposition. This world does not like us t- telling people, does not like to hear the gospel. Nobody wants to hear they're a sinner. It just doesn't what we want to hear. That's the kind of message people don't want, don't want, don't want to hear. And so people distract us. We're living in a day today. We were very fortunate in the, the West, Western Europe and America, places like that. Because for, my goodness, 400 years, our society has supported us. They've been behind us. Laws have been passed to make it easy for us to have church and to share the gospel. Uh, the American Constitution written, for example, there's a whole section about nobody can, extra, nobody can limit the exercise of your religion. And nobody can establish a state religion. And that little concept has spread all over the world. Okay? And, and so, but things are changing. If you, if you haven't noticed, things are changing quickly. I mean, I, I remember report um, an American footballer uh, plays for the New Orleans Saints. They're having a, a day in October called Take Your Bible to School Day. And he's made a video in, in support of this Take Your Bible to School Day. Absolutely legal in every American state to carry a bottle to school. Anybody can carry their bottle to school. And yet he's, he wants them to do it, and all of a sudden... People are saying he should quit American football now. He should quit his professional job because he told kids to take the Bible to school. All right? It's craziness. They're shutting down anything that we want to do. So the opposition is there. So I think we can pick up a lesson from Paul. I'm going to go through the um, passage kind of quickly because what I really want to do is make an application. Paul starts out, he was deterred, by, deterred put off by his friends. That's, that's in chapter 21, verse 1 through 17. Uh, he went to the city of Tyre. He found some disciples there. He told they, these first disciples. He goes to Tyre. He meets some believers there, and they're loving and they're concerning, and uh, and they and, and and they they because of their love and their concern, and because of kind of there's some difficult theological things there because the Bible actually says the Spirit told him them to tell him not to go. I personally think that the Holy Spirit was testing Paul's tenacity. Um, but he says, they say, you're going to be bound. Don't go to Jerusalem. Please, we, we love you too much. Don't go there. But what, what does Paul do? What do the disciples do? He, um, they pray and they move on. Their compassion is clear. They prayed with him. And the, and the thing is, even this, this is a great lesson for us. Even if we disagree on something, we disagree on a ministry, all right? Let's say that somebody says God's calling to do this. And we can't see the logic of it. And we can't see the wisdom of it. These believers backed off and said, okay. And what did they do? They bathed the ministry in prayer. And as you look through the New Testament, you look at Paul and the other disciples who traveled with him. Every time a new ministry starts, they gather together and they bathe that in prayer. That's why we take prayer requests. 
Um, I'm asking God to pray for my canal outreach. I hope you're taking that to heart. Um, it may seem like a silly thing to some of you to try to share the gospel while you're walking your dog down the canal. Some of you are about to share a prayer request for this person you want to witness to and this person you want to witness to. We need to bathe those times in prayer for each other. This is vile stuff. This is key to how God's word is going to get out. You know, sometimes we're not we're not going to agree with every minister and think it's good. But what do these people do? They all got together and they prayed because the most important thing in their minds was getting the gospel out. So they prayed for Paul's ministry, and they sent him on the way. They they didn't want him to go. His friends said, "No, don't go, don't go," but they were too concerned. He goes down to verse fourteen. He goes to Caesarea. Um, he visits, he visits Philip, who was one of the first deacons. Down in verse 10 and 11, he's warned by a guy named, a prophet named Agabus. And when he had stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And when he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, he bound his own hands and feet, and he said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now we'd heard these things, both we and those of the place pleaded with him not to go to Jerusalem. Okay? He was told he was going to be bound in Jerusalem. He knew what awaited him. His loving Christian friends, and I, I, I so much appreciate the compassion they had. They don't want to see Paul suffer. They don't want to see Paul go to jail. So they're begging him, you know, don't go, don't go. This prophet says you're going to be bound. And that was a correct prophecy. He was not saying to Paul, don't go. He says, if you go, this is what's going to happen to you. You're going to suffer. And I look back at the Old Testament prophets, and how many Old Testament prophets do you read about who were told to go someplace even though the people weren't going to listen? It happens over and over and over again. We're not told to go where it's easy. We're not told to witness only to the people who are going to jump at the chance to listen to us preach or to teach the gospel. We're not told to go to the great... We're not told... We're never told that the Christian life, the Christian ministry is going to be an easy thing. Here's a clear example of Paul. He's being told, you're going to be arrested. You're going to be bound. What do you think, what do you think Paul does in response? This is probably the key to the whole thing is verse... Um, uh, where is it? Verses 12 and 13 of chapter 21. Now when we heard these things, both we and those from the place pleaded with him um, not to go to Jerusalem. He, the guys traveling with him, Dr. Luke and the others are saying, Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. <coughs> People there are saying, if you go to Jerusalem, they're going to throw you in jail. But Paul had to go. That's what God called him to do. God had called him there. Paul after this, what do you why what do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? He knew their hearts were right. He knew they were concerned for him. He, and he's, why why are you it's breaking hearing you say these things is, is break I love Paul. It's breaking my heart and Paul was in tears. He said, I wish I could listen to you, but I've got to go to Jerusalem. Paul answered, what do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but I'm also willing to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. <coughs> Paul says, I'm going to go. It breaks my heart too. Can, did you get the picture here? Can you visualize what's happening? Paul's sitting here talking to these friends. 
in Caesarea. Agabus has just come and said he's going to be bound. He said, don't go. They're crying. Paul's shedding tears. He said, I've got to go. You know, Paul knew full well he might never see these people again. When he left Ephesus, he said he'd never see them again. When we do God's work sometimes, it's going to mean that things are not going to go the way we want. But Paul says, I've got to go. And I'm willing to go, not only with the chance of going to jail, but I'm going with a very real chance. I'm, I'm going because I'm willing to die for the cause of Christ. All through our history, folks, Christians have been martyred for their faith because they would not compromise their faith. Paul's an example here. He, he knew his fate. Eventually, sadly, his fate would come true in Rome. He knew he was going to die for the cause of Christ. I look at my own life, okay? Just thinking about me. I'm not talking to anybody else in this room. I'm talking about me. How much does it take to deter me from doing something that God wants me to do? When I'm out walking, I'm trying to be perceptive to the Holy Spirit and trying to purposely approach people with the gospel. What does it take to stop me from doing that? Fear of embarrassment? Maybe you've got that coworker or that friend that you've known for years that you should be sharing the gospel with them. You know you should. You know you should be faithful. Family members, whoever, that you know you should be doing it. What does it take to stop you? A little bit of harassment? Maybe a little bit of laughing at you? Um, it's inconvenient? What stops us? Paul says no... I'm going to go do what God called me to do. I'm not only willing to be arrested, but I'm willing to die for the cause of Christ. I'm willing to die for Him. And the reason, the truth is, Christ died for us according to the Scriptures, right? That's That's what Christ did. He went to the cross for us. He died for us, and we should be willing to do the go the whole thing, and we should be willing to go to the cross, not to go to the cross, but even to give our lives for Christ if that's what He wants out of us. I'll share a verse, this verse again next week. The reason that, they, that Paul could do this is because he had given himself to Christ. He wrote to the Roman church in Romans chapter 12. He said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. That means you're putting yourself on the altar. He says, I want you to do that. And he goes on to say, don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds. That you can know what is the good and, and, and the, the, the good and perfect will of God. Thank you. All right. Where, where, where are you and I in that situation? Being a Christian is more than just saying that prayer when you got saved. It's more than just coming to church. And I love our church and I love our times together. It's more than just going to a Bible study. It's putting our all on the altar. Everything. Are we at the point where you and I have said, Lord, I will do anything you want me to do. Take my hands, take my feet, take my heart, take my lips. Take everything and use it. Paul made that decision. He had to go on to Jerusalem. Nothing was going to stop him. He said, none of these things things move me. I've got to go. I've got to go to Rome. Um, Then they said, how how did they respond? So when he would not be persuaded, we ceased saying, the will of the Lord be done. They joined with him and said, God's will will be done. 
What was God's will? God's will was go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Baptizing them, making disciples and baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. That's what God's will is. Paul knew he had to do, he had to do that. And then they move on down to Jerusalem in, chapter, in verse 15. And after those days we packed and went up to Jerusalem. Some of the disciples from Caesarea went with us and brought a man named Manasseh of Cyprus, an early disciple. We're going to stay with him. We come to Jerusalem and the brethren in Jerusalem uh, receive him gladly. As you go through the rest of go from eighteen down to, go from eighteen down to twenty six, um, the believers at Jerusalem they greet him. Uh, they told him in detail the things which had God had done among the Gentiles. He gave a missionary report. Um, they said to him, "You see, brother, how many myriads of Jews there are who believe, and they are all zealous for the law. But they have been informed about you that you teach all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses." So what just happens here? He gets back to Jerusalem. Okay, this is supposed to be peace. He gets back. They welcome him. So praise God for the work you've done, Paul. Hallelujah. Amen. Thanks for your ministry. But the problem is, a lot of Jews have been saved because of you preaching the gospel to them. A lot of these Jews are saying, you've got to go back to the law. And the Gentiles are saying, no, we don't have to go back to the law. And there's a huge division in the church. And so they say, yeah, good work, but. You see it? Good work, but. There's problems. So they were also deterring Paul from his ministry. We got to deal with this Jew problem, and he knew this Jewish Gentile problem had to be dealt with. They tried to deter to, to deter him and discourage him from doing the work. They had good news, they had fellowship, they had joy, and then uh, they debated about. They said, uh, "Let me see here." They had commissioned him to preach to the Gentiles back in Galatians chapter two. Uh, the legalists did not like what he'd been doing. The Galatians, the grace robbers, didn't like what he was doing because Gentiles were being saved. We've got to remember the time period here. This was not that long since Jews and Gentiles were sworn enemies. And Gentiles are getting saved. And the whole problem was these Gentiles are getting saved in the church and they're the ones who are causing the division. So there's a fight there. And Paul, but the easiest thing in the world for Paul to say, you know what? I'm just going to stay here and fix this problem. But Paul, I think Paul knew there was a greater purpose in mind than that. So he, he, he says he's got to preach the gospel. He's deterred by, he's, he's deterred by, he's deterred, um, by the church in Jerusalem. And then he's detained by the Jews. And the whole next chapter, from here towards the end of chapter 22... Uh, the Jews saw Paul as a threat because they were bringing Gentiles into the temple. And the Jews, not the Jewish believers, but the Jews in Jerusalem, there's a big riot. And Paul gets arrested. They thought he was somebody from Egypt who caught, stirred up trouble. And then Paul gives a huge testimony of his defense. He tells them his history. He tells them he's a Roman. He tells them he felt bound to go to Rome. And um, so that's... Let me just read. Let me just read verse 22, chapter 22, verse 1 through 30. Here's Paul's defense of his ministry. Brethren and fathers, hear my defense before you now. When they had heard that he spoke to them in the Hebrew language, they kept all the more silent. Then he said, I am indeed a Jew. I am born in Tarsus of Cilicia, and I am brought up to this city at the feet of Gamaliel, taught according to the strictness of our father's law, and zealous toward God, as you all are today. He said, I know. I'm zealous. I believe. I was raised under the law. I still believe in the good of the law, the good of the law to bring us to Christ. Um, I persecuted this way to the death. 
binding and delivering into prisons both men and women, as also the high priest bears me witness, and all the council of the elders from whom I am received letters to the brethren. I went to Damascus to bring us bring in chains. So he's going on what he did. He went to Damascus. And he goes to Jerusalem. He gives a testimony of his salvation. We talked about that not too long ago. Um, he's on the way to Damascus. He hears the voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He says, Who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus of Nazareth. It goes down to verse 10. He says, Arise, get to Damascus. He takes the gospel of Damascus. He gives, goes over the whole account again about how God had saved him. He starts preaching the gospel of Jerusalem. Um, gets baptized. And I know I'm kind of flying through this. Let me go finish up in verse 17. Now it happened, when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I was in a trance. Um, And saw him saying to me, Make haste, get out of Jerusalem quickly, for they will not receive the testimony concerning me. And so I said, Lord, they know that in every synagogue I imprison and beat those who believe in you. When the blood of the martyrs, uh, of your martyr Stephen was shed, I was standing there by consenting, consenting into his death, and uh, guarding the clothes of those who killed him. And Jesus had told him, depart because I'm going to send you to the Gentiles. Paul commits the fact. Paul, uh, Paul is determined. Paul says, I had to go to the Gentiles. First of all, God sent him to the Gentiles. He says, I had no choice. I had to go to the Gentiles. If that's bothering you, then there's a problem because I had to go to the Gentiles. Paul's burden from the time he got saved was to see people come to Christ. And God, he's in Jerusalem. He says, go to the Gentiles. Now he has to come back. Um, a huge riot breaks out in verse 22. It's so bad they were tearing off their clothes and throwing dust and stuff into the air. And uh, they, they announced that he's a Roman. And uh, down in verse uh, 25, they bound him with thongs, just as was prophesied. Paul said to the centurion who stood by, Is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? When the centurion heard that, he went and told the commander, saying, Take care of what you do, for this man's a Roman. But the commander came and said to him, Tell me, are you a Roman? He said, Yes. And the commander answered, With a large sum, I obtained my citizenship. And Paul said, I was born a citizen. And immediately those who were about to examine him withdrew from him. And the commander was also afraid because um, they found that he had dealt so severely with the Roman. Okay, let me summarize this kind of quickly here. Next month sometime... We'll come back to this and we'll see what testimony Paul gives and what happens. Paul mentions here his Roman citizenship. Paul had a greater purpose in mind. Paul had said several times he had to go to Rome. Why? Because Rome needed the gospel. Rome needed, God wanted to expand the gospel to Europe. He had to go to Rome. And now because he was born a Roman citizen, he's going to trial and he announces that he, he knew that the end result of being a Roman citizen would be that he'd be tried by the Roman court. Paul could not be deterred. Anything along the way could have stopped him. Anywhere. I wouldn't, I don't think, man, as soon as your man said to me, look and see, let me borrow your belt, Paul. He takes the belt and he ties it around his hand and his feet. He says, this is what's going to happen to you when you go to Jerusalem. I wonder how I would have responded. I wonder if I would have had that same determination. But I said, ah, no big deal. i got to get there. The test is, how do we do when God calls us to be a witness today? 
When you have that friend or that neighbor or that coworker, or maybe you're sitting on the Lewis, or maybe you're on a plane, and I'm not saying God wants us to every single time, but you, you ever had that sense of the Holy Spirit in your heart that said, strike up a conversation? You been there? I think most of us probably have. What do we do? Do we say, oh no, they might not like me. I've got to be on the plane for the next eight hours with them. And it might be a miserable trip if I say something. I can't do that, God. Or I've got to... I'll give you an example, all right? I think I've told you this example before about one of the times when I would regret with every fiber of my soul, okay? We were back in the States for something. And no, we were living there, right? Yeah, we were living there. We were going home from church. And we stopped at a shop to get a, some milk. And I saw this woman come up and she introduced, she said, oh, you're Roger, aren't you? And I said, yeah. And she said, I'm so-and-so. And I didn't immediately, from, from school. Then I recognized who she was. Like, she was one of the girls in the yearbook that was every, Miss Everything. I mean, she was like the most likely to succeed. And she was the head cheerleader. And she had boyfriend, boyfriends aplenty. And just you knew she was going to hit it off. But this poor woman was in desperate straits. Her face was hard and lined and um, and the Holy Spirit said to me as clear as he could, the Holy Spirit says to me, Roger, tell tell her about me, talk to this woman. But my thought was, well, Mary's in the car and we've got to get back and um, she's got the dinner's on and we've got to get back and somebody's coming for dinner and blah, 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 blah. All right? I wasn't even going to be bound in chains. All I was going to do was cause a problem. I could have come, it was in walking distance. I could have walked out and said, you're going home, I'm going to talk to this person. What did I do? I was deterred from sharing my faith. How do we do in those situations? What do you do when God wants you, you hear, let's say a missionary comes in, and you hear their need and it's desperate, and you know you ought to give something on top of your regular giving, you know you should get something to help them along the way. And your heart just burns within you and you say, you ought to do that, you ought to do that. And, and sometimes, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm weird, sometimes I even know how much I'm supposed to give them. And I thought, well, but I don't have that with me. And I, 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 what does it take to stop us? Paul set the example. He kept going and going and going and I think his end purpose is Rome. I think we'll see that next time we're back in the book of Book of Acts again. Paul wouldn't give up. Now I don't think you get. I don't think you can see um, the application slide. I wanted to put it in both languages. Um, so the things that some applications we can make from that. First of all, is that Paul had a determination to do what God wanted him to do, and that's the first question we need to ask ourselves: Are we determined today to do what God wants us to do? Are our hearts so yielded to God that we go through our days saying, God, what do you want me to do today? When you do, when you do your devotions, you do your Bible reading, you're praying, and you ask, God, show me what you want me to do today. And when he knew what he had to do, he would not be, nothing could stop him. Nothing would stop him. He was going to do what God told him to do. Do we have that kind of motivation in our lives? He knew the truth of being steadfast. The Bible uses that. Man, Paul himself uses that over and over and over again. Paul wrote to the Corinthians later on. Um, later on, 
Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for you know your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Paul knew the idea of staying at the task that God put him in. Paul knew the, the lesson of don't get weary in well-doing for a new season. You will reap if you don't faint. Paul also knew the thing. Seeing then we have the ministry God has given us, whatever our ministry is, at work or at, in a full-time ministry, whatever, seeing then we have this ministry and seeing we have God's mercy, we will not faint. We're not going to quit. They're determined to do what God wants to do. Paul knew that lesson. Paul was, Paul, if, if nothing else, Paul was a plotter. William Carey, one of my favorite missionary biographies is William, William Carey's biography. William Carey went to China. This is China, is it? No, Burma. India. Alright, again, I do get them confused. But anyway, he went to India. I remember now. Serapore. He went to India to share the gospel. Alright? Fourteen years passed. Not anybody got saved in fourteen years. After fourteen years, one lone guy gets saved. And he's chuffed. The guy lasts about six months and he goes wandering off. Another seven years passed before the next person got saved. He kept plodding away. And eventually, he saw churches established. He translated the Bible. He became a government official. um, All because he wouldn't give up. What does God have for you and me to do? What does God have for our little church to do in this town? Sometimes it gets pretty discouraging here, doesn't it? What does God have for our church? What does God have for you as a part of this church to do? Do you think God wants to see people in NACE get saved? Do you think God wants people in church in NACE to get saved and, and join a local church and go on to serve Him? Of course He does. But what deters us? What stops us? Something Paul didn't have much time to deal with. Paul didn't have much time to deal with pride. Paul had no time for his own pride. I'm willing to go to do whatever God wants me to do. And I'm willing to give my life for Christ. Remember one month I had a good friend when we first moved to Nace. And we were driving around town praying about some things. And he told us then, he met a few people. He told us then, he said, Roger, he said, this may very well be the place that you spend the rest of your life and God may want you to die in this town sharing your faith. What, what deters us? What keeps us from going on for Christ? What keeps us from being a witness? What does it take? Great, so many lessons for Paul. Um, we've got to do God's will in our life. Because Paul stayed at the task. Do you think Paul had any vision of churches being started all over Europe? when he was trying to get to Jerusalem because Paul went to Rome the gospel went to Europe and most people in this room today were saved because Paul kept going and took the gospel to Europe I I could say all of us because even our American Christian heritage where does it come from? the UK, Scotland, other parts of Europe even our American Christian heritage comes from Europe if Paul had quit Let's say Paul said, let's just say Paul, Agabus says, you're going to be bound. Oh, that's too much for me. I'm not going to go. And the gospel never come to Europe. Where would where would we be today? Where, where, where would Europe be? There's no doubt that Christianity advanced Europe beyond measure just because of biblical principles. Paul didn't quit. 
You say, I'm no Paul. Well, either am I. But who knows what God can do with you? I'm no William Carey. Well, neither am I. But you know what? Who knows who in this room, this is going to sound funny, might be the next William Carey. All right? Who knows who of our kids might be the next one to stick it out and bring the gospel to our part of Europe in a mighty way and see Western Europe turn back to the gospel just because one of us stays faithful like Paul did. He was deterred, but he was determined by the grace of God to do what God wanted him to do. Do we have that mindset? Do do I have that mindset? It's easy to say, well, Roger, you're getting a little bit up there now. And I heard somebody, no, it was your man, Francis Chan, said people my age, you've talked to people my age, he was preaching to us saying, listen, it's not time for you to slow down. You don't have much time left. You better get busy serving me. But at the same time, all the way up, what are we doing for God? How dedicated are we to the cause of Christ? Or do we get turned off by every little distraction that comes our way? Every problem that comes up, we say, oh no, it's just too hard. But can we say with Paul, I will not be turned away. I've got to go. And I'm willing not only to be in chains, but I'm willing to die for the cause of Christ. Is that the kind of dedication that we have? The kind of willingness we have to serve Christ? Father, I thank you for your word.